Hey, it's Garbage Brain University. I'm Drew Toothpaste. I'm Natalie B. Today we're talking reality television. I love it. I love it too. You remember when they just make stuff up and put it on TV and you had to watch it? Yeah, right. Now it's all real. <laughs> yeah, that's how it goes, baby. I will be real with you though. I don't think I've watched a reality TV show for a while. I think the last reality TV show we watched a couple years ago, we watched Forged in Fire. Is that reality? Um, I don't know if it is or not. It's... I think it's kind of a reality game show. But they'll go, they'll go to the people's houses and they'll show them working on their swords. This says that documentaries, television news, sports television, talk shows, and traditional game shows are not classified as reality television. So well, I should I should ask you the question. What is reality television? Reality television is a genre of television programming that documents purportedly unscripted real life situations, often starring unknown people rather than professional actors. Okay, okay. So American Ninja Warrior, that's a game show, right? But it's like just but it's yeah, just people. Yeah, you it's people who are like running on a track, right? And so they're so in they a competition. So they put the track there, right? So for Forged in Fire is a game show. It's a competition, yeah. So actual reality show. That's like the, the contest to see who's going to get to kiss the guy. I have not watched one of those in a very long time. There's like the, I think The Bachelor is like the, the big one, right? Well, uh, I guess I should say, I should say, I haven't intentionally watched one of those in a long time. I have been waiting somewhere back when I went to the gym. They would have reality shows. They would have home rehab shows mm -hmm. where they would take people around and they would go look at beat up houses. And then they'd say, so which one do you want to transform? And then the normal people would pick them. And then they record the normal people walking through their new house that was very shoddily and quickly rehabbed. Right. <laughs> Right. What was that one we watched? We watched one at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't we? That was like people who were getting married without ever seeing each other. <laughs> Or something like that. What was that show? Oh, I don't even remember the name. I didn't like it, though. I didn't like the people on it. The people on it were awful. Yeah. I forget what it was called. Yeah. Well, there's Step like... Step up in a Discord if you remember what it was. If you remember, <laughs> in it, they took them in these little vaporwave chambers and they made them confess to each other. Right. They had, like, dates where they couldn't see each other. And then they were, like, having, like, all these kind of, like, heavy convos and, like, like that. Yeah, but it was like Instagram influencer heavy convo. It was like if you could do one thing, like in the like in the next year, if you could just pick one thing that like your heart always wanted to do. <laughs> if you could pick between your hand being the size of a watermelon or the size of a walnut, which would you pick and why? <laughs> it's like being it's like going to it's like going to an interview with an HR person who like describes themselves as a creative. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then they get married as soon as they see each other. No, they just propose to each other. Well, they uh, yeah, they had to propose and then they got married and then they walked down a heart shaped hallway. Did they actually get married? Oh, I don't fucking remember. I don't fucking remember. Well, what they did is they had all these people and all the dudes were hanging out in the dude room. Uh -huh. And then the ladies were in the ladies room, but like a living room. It wasn't a bathroom. Right. And they would show them and then they would try to pair up with different ones. And then it was pretty early on. One of them 
paired up and then they went on a honeymoon together to a hotel in Mexico. So they it like followed them to Mexico. Anyway, complete hell. Yeah. <laughs> just not. Just, hell on earth. Just, <laughs> so you don't think I'm saying like, wow, what a neat experience. Right, right. You know, okay, well, first off, I would like to say that this episode was suggested by some folks in the Discord. This was suggested by Lucia and Dita and Bingo Bongo Bango and Lucia. Yeah. <laughs> Lucy, it was actually a great suggestion. We just it just took us a while to get to it. <laughs> right, right. And in the meantime, you suggested it again and I was like, all right, we we ought to do it. It's actually a really good idea. I mean, so. we yeah, right, right. So thank thank all four of you. An extra thank you to Lucia. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said four. I counted her twice. Right. So what's your favorite reality show, Natalie? My favorite, okay, my favorite reality show probably of all time was probably Flavor of Love. Yeah. That is the one that I was the most invested in. That was the one where I absolutely watched the episodes immediately. Like, when they came out, it was, like, the highlight of my week. And I watched it, like, I was very serious about it. I was extremely invested in it. There was something about that show that was maybe different from other reality shows. It was, uh... It was, like, tongue-in-cheek a little bit. It was, uh, I think everybody understood, everybody understood, I feel like maybe on the Bachelor type shows, I think maybe people take it really serious, and the people were serious about the competition on Flavor of Love, but I don't think that they actually thought that they were going to marry Flavor Flav. Right, right. And I'm pretty sure, like, if I'm not mistaken, that... Flavor Flav had like a significant other and like a family like when they filmed the show like I don't think there was ever any question that no one was going to go out with Flavor and Flav. <laughs> right? I kept up with it and I did watch every season of it and in between seasons I would be like poking around and see and see pictures of Flavor Flav hanging out with hoops. <laughs> Spoiler at, alert. At Starbucks. Yeah. I didn't see anything like that. <laughs> And then they had a second season of it, which obviously meant that the first season it didn't work out. I think he came on. He was like, you know, me and Hoops, we had some great chemistry, but we have to make a second season of this. <laughs> I I think central to the tongue in cheekness of the show is any any other shows, whether it's the show that we don't remember the name of. It was called <laughs> One Day to Marriage or something. I don't remember. Love Alone. I don't know. Don't look at your fiance. Don't look for love. <laughs> oh no, it's called it was uh, it was called like Love is Blind or something. Some shit like that, yeah. But then everyone was really traditionally attractive in in the show. Like no one was actually like challenging looking at all. Yeah, nobody ever came out of the heart shaped door and and the other person was like, fuck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I think I think central to that is the fact that Flavor Flav is a gremlin. Right. <laughs> like I don't. Yeah, I never. I never understood like why anyone was trying to compete 
for his hand. It just seemed obvious that they were all in a play. And I think really just having it be so tongue in cheek, I think gave it more wiggle room. Like it, if it was so serious and if everybody was taking it serious, it wouldn't have been good. Right. But even the people that were participating in the show, like they were doing it and they were participating because it was an insane circus. Right. Not because they were like, I have always been in love with Flavor Flav. Right. No one came to flavor of love and like ever since I was a little girl I've always loved Flavor Flav. He was like the very best and I loved him so much I have posters of him in my room. No one said that. Well so I mean you I'm just assuming that everybody understands the concept but it, it first came on the air like 16 years ago. Right. So <laughs> The basic idea is that Flavor Flav, who is the gremlin who was in Public Enemy, has a mansion. And also, it's not his house, but he keeps saying, it's my house. Uh And he invites, I think, 20 women. And he's like, the 20 women will compete for my love. And they have to do... Races. Relay races. (laughs) Cooking challenges. Essay contests. (laughs) Yeah, right. Whatever. Jenga. Uh Yeah. And so it's... And then the idea is that he ends up with one woman and then the one woman is uh gosh what has he said uh, he would say your time is up (laughs) do you know what time it is he said that he said that well so flavor flav if you're not familiar his gimmick was that he would wear giant clocks Uh around his neck on a chain (laughs) and then in the show you know on the bachelor or bachelorette they give people roses i don't remember which one but on this he would give you a, a giant clock to wear around your neck and then you'd have to wear it around your neck for the remainder of the episode after you were selected right Right, right. <laughs> and on the first, okay, the first episode, he would be like, fuck all y'all. I can't remember any of you guys' names. I'm just going to give you guys all new names. And he would give them, like, really stupid names. It would be like some girl would, like, introduce herself. Like, hi, Flavor Flav. My name's Michelle, and I'm from Florida. And he'd be like, you got a real pretty dress on. That reminds me of ketchup. I'm going to call you hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> And then for the rest of the show, she'd be hot dog. <laughs> Which is like such a power move. I, I try to do that as much as I can. <laughs> like, you're real tall. I'm going to call you skyscraper. Like, something doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not even like flattering. It's just like a noun. Well, there was one he's like, oh, you're so sweet. I just love to have a sweet blonde girl around here. I'm going to call you pumpkin. <laughs> But it was like pumpkin misspelled and like there was a Z in it somewhere. Right, right. Uh, but Flavor of Love had like one of the best scenes in reality television of all time. And it was the first thing I thought of when you were like, let's do an episode about reality TV because everyone wants it, right? The first thing I thought was the episode of Flavor of Love when the chick poops on the floor. <laughs> Now, if I'm not mistaken, that was Flavor of Love 2. Was it Flavor of Love 2? I think it was the sequel. Just look up Flavor of Love 2. Oh, it was the first episode, huh? Of season two. And did she get sent home for pooping on the floor? No, she didn't. When did they get rid of the girl who pooped on the floor? When did she get... Oh, she still stuck around for two episodes after she pooped on the floor. That is like... That's that's prime reality TV, though. They kept her on to see if she's going to poop again. <laughs> 
this is the thing is that if you were qualifying for the Olympics, if you have 20 of the best like high school and college athletes from America and they're all qualifying for the javelin throw at the Olympics, right? They all go up and they do their stretches and they chuck the javelin as hard as they can. And the five best javelin throwers make it to the Olympics. Right. In reality TV, there would be three of the prettiest javelin throwers. There would be like one who was crazy and trying to fight with the other javelin throwers. And then there would be one who shit himself as he threw the javelin. Right. <laughs> so it's just totally, it's it bears no relationship to what would happen on planet Earth. But that also makes it exciting because you really can't tell who's going to be eliminated. You forgot there would be one javelin player who would be absolutely average looking, but be the best javelin thrower literally ever and they would get rid of them the first episode because they weren't very interesting <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they'd be like marcy's always just practicing javelin she never wants to come and drink by the pool with us yeah yeah <laughs> and then like at the end of the episode they break her javelin and have like marcy you're out of here <laughs> The show would be called Throw It or Go. <laughs> Marcy, this is your chance to throw it or go. <laughs> Violin is safe having shit herself. <laughs> What's your favorite reality show? I hate to say it, but I'm going to keep it 100 here on the podcast. And it's cops. Cops, uh, yeah. It's really problematic. Right. And I have not watched it in years because the shine just, the shine wore off. The thing is, is that cops used to be pretty good. And then it's like, as the American police people started getting more and more militarized, cops got to be like less and less cool. So I used to watch cops. My dad loved the show Cops. So I grew up watching it. They started it in like 1988 or 1989, something like that. Actually, hilariously, and also relevant to the subject of how bad America is, there was a writer's strike for television in like 1988 or 89. And that's when Cops was created because television still had to show stuff. And instead of just paying the writers what they wanted, they just created shows that needed no writers. <laughs> and Cops was one of those shows. So it was actually born of being a fucking scab. Yeah, right. But the premise of Cops is that they follow cops around and watch the cops, you know, investigate stuff and arrest people and shoot people and get shot. And, you know, I grew up the first few episodes of it, you know, especially as a kid and especially like in the 90s with the atmosphere of what was going on then, like cops were not militarized. Right. So you would see a cop get out of this old car and just kind of bumble over there and be like, what is happening here? And then the cop would be like, well, I think you need to settle down because, you know, people are really concerned concerned about you and we don't want anything to happen. And the lady's like, okay. And then he's like, you have a good night. And then you drive off and be like, you know, sometimes the best tool is just a friendly ear to listen to a friend. <laughs> that was like the first season of Cops. Right, right. <laughs> like driving around Miami, just people having people having fun and there's a disagreement. He's like, well, I think you need to shake and make up. And then you get in the car and drive off. Right, right. <laughs> And then by like, Cops has been on the air like 30 odd seasons. 
And like the last season I watched, it was like five or six years ago. It was just like full military and cops would get out of their car and there'd be a guy standing in front of his house and they'd just be like on the ground. <laughs> they'd all be wearing like 14 like Kevlar vests and like have like mech suits like fall out. <laughs> and helmets and like scopes and they're like pointing lasers at people's faces and shit. It's like not cool anymore. It's not chill. No. No. And you know, police were never chill. I was never a big cop head. Right. But the show was interesting because at that time in the 80s and 90s, there were not many shows that would go around and just bring a camera into somebody's normal ass house right. and you would just see people sitting around living like normal people. It was, ve it was very interesting from that standpoint that you would see like a random person who had to encounter the police, like what their situation was, whether they're in their car or they're in public or they're in their home or whatever. Right, right. And it is... There is something compelling, and I understand why people might turn into cop heads because there is something compelling about putting a special thing on your car that lets you go as fast as you want and you can go through all red lights and nobody can stop you because the only person that could stop you is you. Right. <laughs> so that like speaks to a fundamental idea of personal empowerment, I think. Of course, you know, the context of police is not one that is particularly great. Right. I think the worst, I don't even think I was watching or following cops at this point, but several years ago, cops in Omaha, they were following the cops around in Omaha and they pulled up to a Wendy's and there was some kind of shit happening in the Wendy's. There was like a, a disturbance, I guess is what they would say. There, there's, I don't know if there was a robbery or there were people fighting inside or somebody was fighting with the employees or the employees were fighting anyway. I don't know, but the cameramen were out filming it and something happened and one of the sh cops shot the fucking camera guy. Yeah. And killed him. Right. One of the cops killed the guy. Right. The only thing that ever fucking happened to any of the camera operators or the crew on cops is that a fucking cop shot them. Right. Cops love shooting people and they don't need to. They're the living embodiment of if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Right, right. And it also is kind of an argument against the idea that people can handle having weapons because if not even professionals can handle having a gun without shooting people with it, what luck does some rando have? What hope does a normal person have in owning a handgun? That without, they... without trying to pop off all the time. Time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the issue. I think, you know, I'm not a violent guy, and I think theoretically people should have guns for hunting or whatever. You know, I'm not the fucking gun cop. I'm not going to tell people right. what to do. But if you spend all that money on a gun, you're going to want to shoot it. And you can go to the range, you can go out in the country and shoot your gun. But if you buy a bunch of fucking guns, you're going to want to sit there and play with them. And you're going to want to shoot the fucking gun. Right. You can't sit there and clean your gun in your house for years and never fire it. It would be like if you spent a bunch of money on records and you got like the coolest and weirdest fucking records of the 70s. And it looked like it had wild psychedelic rock and jazz and shit on it. And you were like, man... I need to go to the record range and put this sucker on and listen to it, but you just stay at home and clean your records and you just never listen to them. You're going to want to listen to the fucking record, man. Right, right. <laughs> 
That's why I don't have a gun. You just, I would want to shoot it. Right. If I had a gun, it would give you certain feelings. Straight up. <laughs> it would give you emotions. I, you know what? And you would want to you shoot the gun, to, wouldn't you? You don't need to explain it to me because you know my feelings about knives. And that is why I don't ever get guns is because I know I feel the same way about guns as I do about knives. I am, you know, as progressive as I am, as as much as I try to be like a, like a very zen person and like be like a peaceful person, I like weapons and I like having them because I am still at my very core a 14 year old boy. And so I know because of the way I feel about knives that if I had a gun, I'd be like, oh, I need about eight more of these. This one's just little. I need a big one and a medium sized one. I need one with like two holes and like. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I and would... I would do tricks like spinning around my fingers and shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Totally. That's totally. how I would do it. And like, I've even looked at guns to the point where I'd be like, I know a gun I would get if I got if I got one. <laughs> I think it's disingenuous to say that guns are not cool because they are very they're extremely cool. cool yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that ex- might be the most American thing that we could possibly say is sit here on our podcast where we're talk- constantly talking a bunch of bullshit and then be like, you know, guns are really like, extremely cool though. Well, you know, there are some universals. Right. And this makes people very uncomfortable sometimes to say, ah, I don't trust the government. I kind of want to live in the middle of nowhere now. I think guns are very cool. I think people should be able to take any drug. I think heroin should be legalized. (laughs) That's, I'm on the same page with you with all that. I think people should be allowed to do whatever they fucking want. Period. Period. I don't think trespassing should be a crime. Nope. I don't think public drunkenness should be a crime. You know what? All of those are just pretexts. They're just excuses for the man to get in your business. To oppress people. Right. And if you're a rich white dude and you're drunk in public, they're like, go on home, Buster. I don't need to recapitulate all this shit. Everybody knows this shit. Right. You know, I think there's something some people will not acknowledge to themselves, knives are cool. I have knives, knives fucking kick ass. They're cool and they're sharp and they cut stuff and they are cool to look at and they make you feel powerful. Guns are the same way. I don't own one because I would shoot somebody or shoot myself. You know what else is fucking cool? Reality TV. Right. (laughs) Not all of it is good. (laughs) So Natalie, who invented reality TV? It came along before cops. It did. Well, back in the 40s, there was Queen for a Day, which was the first example of reality-based television. I don't have anything in my notes about it, but I assume it was like taking a regular lady and treating her to some nice shit. I'd believe it. And then you just videotape her reactions. Today, it would be called Poor Person Reacts to Diamond Necklace. And reacts would be capitalized and then you'd click on it and it would be the reacts channel. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I saw a reaction channel recently that was like the tribal people from like out in the country in Pakistan reacting to stuff. And it was like different. (laughs) It different than a lot of the other react channels. Like, these people, like, are they even aware of what you're doing with this footage? Like, <laughs> I saw that, and I I felt a little bit different about it. Because when they get the Irish hipsters, and they're like, they're peanut cheesy. butter? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they have the internet. 
Right. They know that they... They're putting themselves on there. They know that they said peanut butter, and they know that they said that they have weird preferences, and they make their little faces and barf up on YouTube. And they do that, and they're fully aware of what they're doing. There is something I like about the tribal reactions where the guy pushes the McDonald's away, and he says, this comes from a universe where there is no God. Right, right. They're always on some shit like that, right? It's very funny, but I feel like that person would be unhappy if he knew what others were getting out of that. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they've seen it and and they totally understand it, in which case, great, but there's no way to know. Right. Okay. So yeah, anyways, uh, so they had Queen for a Day. They had a show called Cash and Carry, which sounds like a shopping television show. Uh, They had Candid Camera, right? Oh, Candid Camera. That's the first one that I recognize. Right. They had uh, talent shows. They had a game show called Beat the Clock. They had Truth or Consequences. And those were ones where it was like people were doing like stunts and practical jokes and competitions and stuff like that. Uh But it was like regular folk, right? Um, They would have uh, police shows. They had one called Confession. They had uh, all kinds of shit like that, right? Then in the 60s, they started doing 7-Up, which we watched. Now that was when they took 20 different kids at different backgrounds in England. Some rich kids, poor kids, middle class. They started off when they were seven years old and they interviewed them all and they're like, here's this guy, here's his house, this is what he's up to. He's right. seven years old and he already knows he wants to go to Oxford. Right. Or he wants to be a magician. Whatever the <laughs> hell, right? Yeah. And then seven years later they went and interviewed the same kids again. Mm-hmm. And then seven years after that they went and interviewed the same kids again. And seven years after that they went and interviewed the, like for their whole lives. Like Honestly, when it comes to reality shows you're never going to beat something that is so grandiose in, in scale as to consistently interview a group of people for their entire lives. Well, I think the most recent one was like 63. There's no show that follows people for 56 years. Right, right. There's no other show. Right. I think... Uh, I think we quit watching it. It was kind of depressing. Right. We stopped watching it at a certain point because it was like, oh, like you proved what you're trying to prove, I guess. <laughs> Yep, those uh, those folks who were born rich did really well, and uh, everybody else, well, let's stop watching this now. <laughs> Right. There was a show called American Sportsman that was celebrities and their families and people doing adventures like going hiking or fishing or whatever. Right. Anyways, there's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch of little ones. But I think the one that was really there was cops. And then the one that really set off like contemporary style reality shows was the real world on MTV. That was like the big guy. That's what did it in America. Yeah, that's what made everybody realize, oh, we can just set up a weird artificial situation and aggravate everybody. Right. That's all we'll do now. Right. <laughs> Let's make everyone, like, leave their families and be stressed out and, and impose all kind of uncomfortable situations on them that they have no control over and, like, put them in close quarters with strangers. Reality show shit is, like, a nightmare to me. I would Didn't never, they? ever fucking in a million years deal with that shit. Well, one of the common characteristics, and I don't know if they figured this out on the real world or if they started doing this later like during big brother but one of the things they do is they take all of the clocks out of the 
else. And I'm sure it wasn't an issue on the real world, but you can't call people. You don't have your cell phone. You don't have access to news or television or anything. You're just stuck in this house with people. Mm -hmm. And all there is to do is drink. Right. There's always plenty of alcohol there. So everybody is just shit-faced and tangling with each other uh -huh. all the time. Uh -huh. And they have cameras everywhere. So you get a little bit too real, even in a private conversation with somebody after you've been drinking. That is going to be in the commercial to tease how good the show is. <laughs> Your innermost secrets. Right. <laughs> That is something I find nightmarish about the modern world is the idea of people screenshotting each other's text conversations when they're trying to go out and screenshotting their dating profiles to make fun of somebody trying to put their best their best foot out in the world. Right. Somebody <laughs> trying to find happiness and you're like, oh my God, it's David. What a dipshit. Uh, to be fair though, man, like a lot of those profiles are fucked up. Like if that's your best foot, man, you deserve to get screenshotted yeah i <sighs> i've seen some funky ones man i yeah i mean it is it is pretty funny but <laughs> like guys posting like bulge pictures and stuff and talking about how like no fat chicks like you deserve to get screenshotted oh yeah that stuff sure no that's not what i'm talking about <laughs> I don't mean people being hateful. I mean people legitimately trying to find happiness. Right. I don't mean somebody who says that they have specific hateful ideas. Right. <laughs> Nazi girls only. <laughs> Better get ready to heil me. Oh my god. So... There was a massive con perpetrated by some guy in England called Project MS2, where he invited people to audition for a reality TV show where they can win $100,000, right? Uh -huh. And he got all kinds of responses and had auditions and blah, 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 right? And he had all these people quit their jobs and come to London and get divided up into teams and stuff for this this reality TV show, right? And the challenge for the different groups was that they had to make a million pounds in a year. And they all figured out that it was like a giant con where this guy was going to take all this money and then give one person $100,000 and be like, thank you. <laughs> so he told people that they were going to win 100,000 pounds. Uh -huh. And then in order to win it, they had to make a million. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's a that's a good con people saw through that though right so most of the contestants quit the show within a couple days right there was one group of people who stayed for longer and they had to sleep on the floor of the cameraman's apartment and they had to do all the work themselves for the show right <laughs> And the whole thing just like completely failed and the guy went into hiding, right? Yeah. And I guess they forced him to apologize, but he didn't take any money from anybody. And so there's no way for them to go after him. He just was going to, he was just setting up his fake reality show and it just didn't work out. That's amazing. Yeah, he definitely, if that happened in the United States, he would have been liable. It's crazy that in the UK, which is a country where you can be sued for libel, but not even necessarily commit libel, just say something someone else didn't like, you can be successfully sued sued for that. Mm -hmm. It's amazing that they couldn't get him for that. Right, right. So, you remember that show, Top Chef? Yeah, we we watched the first few seasons of that. That was pretty good for a while. Did you know that on Top Chef, if the judges can't decide who's going to win, there was an unofficial fifth judge who was a camera operator named T-Bone? <laughs> T 
T-bone. And so he would always eat the leftovers at the end. And so if there was a tie, they would ask him. <laughs> Come get your scraps, T-bone. <laughs> Which one of those do you like, you dirty doggy? I used to like watching Top Chef. There came a time when I was over Top Chef, though. Is that still on? Uh, it, it was, it's been on in the past few years. I don't know if it's on right this second. Oh. It, it was on fairly recently, like two or three years ago, I know. Did you know that someone who had appeared on House Hunters said that they picked the houses themselves ahead of time and it was all like made up, right? They already choose and purchase their house and then when House Hunters comes over, they walk through two houses that they have no intention of buying. I, just to like make it seem interesting. I have actually heard that. And one detail that I read just recently, because I saw some folks talk about this one detail is that if you watch one of these shows and you watch carefully and you look in the houses they'll take them around they usually do like three houses international property hunters or mm -hmm. whatever right they'll usually go around and look at three different houses and if you look carefully you can tell that one of them like has real furniture and looks like somebody lives in it and that's actually the person's house <laughs> Yeah. And then that's the one <laughs> that's the one they inevitably pick. Right, right. The one that's all kitted out with all their stuff already. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, did you know that there are real housewives in 19 cities in the world? What? Like the real housewives of mm -hmm. uh, Orange County? Mm -hmm. I did not know that. I guess that I'm is it. I'm not a housewife. I, don't, I mean, if I am a housewife, I'm not a very good one. Really shitty housewives of Columbus, Ohio. I don't. Not only do I not do, I do a really poor job of keeping the house clean, I also look like shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I would. I would not describe you as a housewife. No. That is. That would not be on my list of. Uh, I think the, the pandemic has me feeling like I'm on house arrest. You think just being at home all the time makes you feel like a housewife, right. even though you're working? Right. Right. I never get to leave the house. It makes me feel like I'm chained to the house, like a house, like an old housewife, like an old mima, <laughs> and I look like shit. <laughs> Ah, Columbus Housewives. We work at home also. And I look like <laughs> shit, bitch. <laughs> Man, I got some... I, I thought that I was already in, like, maximum comfortable clothes, but, like, I got some extra huge sweatpants recently. Yep. I feel like I've stepped it up. Yeah, it's definitely an escalation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cozy. My clothes are like nowhere near the size of my body. <laughs> cozy, not clothesy. <laughs> I'm both, baby. <laughs> Did you know that the guy who won the first season of Survivor, he got a million dollars, but then he didn't claim it on his taxes? That's a fucking idiot move. You were on TV, my man. Everyone saw you get that million dollars. That's a pretty big bonehead. That's a Wesley Snipes right there. It's not like he went and found a million dollars in all the fountains and all the malls. That's, that's a... That's the, that's the real way to get the money under the table, man. <laughs> Stealing change. Tax-free. Right. Stealing change. <laughs> There's a coin shortage right now, I've been told. That's because of me. Stealing change, baby. <laughs> you're, Natalie, you're, if you tell people, Natalie... They're gonna get you now. You know, if it's just if it's changed, people don't notice when you steal it, man. It's a quarter here, quarter That's, there. It's that office space philosophy. He, how can you tax that man? It's change. <laughs> <laughs> you want a piece of my quarter, dumbass? <laughs> I find it on the floor. It's not taxed because someone paid tax on it already, right? That's wow. I don't see a flaw in that reasoning. 
I paid tax on it when I got it. I drop it on the floor and you pick it up. You don't need to pay tax on it. Tune in next week for more tax loopholes. (laughs) 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 So did you know that on Big Brother, they have had linguists start to study cast of Big Brother because um, they are trying to study what happens to the way people communicate when you isolate a group of people for a long period of time. And they do it with a cast from Big Brother because it would be unethical for you to take a group of people and isolate them from society for long enough to, to observe that. So it's just, this is just like the loophole where you can have sex, but you can't legally pay someone to have sex unless you were filming it. Right. <laughs> So it's unethical to isolate people unless they are trying to make money in a contest. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Actually, I read, and maybe we talked about this when we talked about Antarctica, but there has been documented something called the Antarctica shift where people who go to McMurdo Station down in Antarctica when they stay over the summer, which is the cold season down there, they're basically isolated because, you know, you can't get helicopters or boats or whatever in and out. And they found that there's a linguistic shift that happens. Like people have a couple of vowels that become shortened or something. I don't remember off the top of my head exactly with the changes, but they don't develop their own language because they're not isolated for that long, but they kind of develop a similar dialect. Right, right. I think that people should study us because I really feel like we've really made some advancements in linguistics and like communication in the pandemic. The three of us, it's gotten weird over here. I think you have, I think you start with two weird adults and then you throw like a 13 year old in the mix who's in total agent of chaos. Right. And I think you really get a lot of mutations. Now, if you want to talk epidemiology, you have the idea of change over time. Well, you can have a lot of change over time if you have more mutations happening over time. Right. It's just like the transmission model, right? You can have a certain amount of transmission. And if your mutations are happening, happening faster in one group than in another, you're necessarily going to come up with different with different strains or whatever faster than the one that doesn't mutate as much, but maybe transmits more. Right. And our rate of mutations, just because we're so hyper fixated on saying weird shit all the time, has just skyrocketed. <laughs> Right. And so I think we've either got to commit to the bit or (laughs) we've got to, at the soonest possible opportunity, we've got to forcibly reintegrate into society and relearn how normal people talk. (laughs) You know what I think is not going to translate over into into regular society? What is that? Our signature moves. Well, this is <laughs> this is one thing is that all three of us in the house have so <laughs> pro football players or basketball players will sometimes have a signature move. Right. Wrestlers do this. Right. Wrestlers always coming up with the dirty slam. That's Dirty Dave, the dirty wrestler. He's going to give him the dirty slam. Here he goes up on the ropes, right? Right. right. Michael Jordan had the skyhook. Right. Right. Icky Woods had the icky shuffle. Whenever he did a touchdown, he would do a special little dance. Right. <laughs> well, we have signature moves, and I'm not, it's nobody's business what they are, but we have... <laughs> Signature moves, and sometimes you just have to do them to accent. 
what you're saying or doing in the house. Right. It is kind of like we're in Antarctica. Right, a little bit. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit my signature move is that you do the two, we, I call them hang tens. Yeah, yeah. Like you do a little hang ten, ten with both your hands, right? Little YOLO hands, yeah. Right, you got the pinky out, you got your thumb out, and the rest of your fingers are tucked yeah. in, right? Banana hands, yeah. Banana, hello, telephones, right? Yeah. You wiggle them a little bit, and you bend your knees, and you make a farting noise. <laughs> <laughs> like that, with your mouth. Yeah, and that's how we know it's... That's how we know it's... <laughs> it's, it's like an emoji for... <laughs> Right, that's mine. normal talking. That's, it's like, that's my one. Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny, though, because I'm desocialized. <laughs> I think it I think it would be funny in the general populace, but, uh, you know, things are going to be different when we go back to the world. And that's... <laughs> for as many things as we're going to have to deal with that are going to be different, I think it's a fair burden to have, you know, some social credit and to just say, look, other people are just going to have to deal with us a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's your turn to deal with me. <laughs> it's reciprocity. I think if society wants us, they can deal with it. Right. <laughs> I'm like a feral kid now that you got out of the woods. I've been sucking on a wolf's tit for like three years now. You just need to deal with the weird shit I'm going to come up with because it's going to be weird. <laughs> Wait till you hear my alien ideas now. You won't believe it. <laughs> you know, sometimes I forget. I I was talking with a buddy of mine who's not a big alien man, and uh, I got I got into it, and he uh, recoiled. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, oh, I oh shit, man. Uh, I forgot. I cannot just go into the whole thing. I can't just casually bring it up. Right. Right. They don't want to hear it. it. No, he changed the subject immediately. It was fine. Right. <laughs> he it didn't was... even hear you. He pretended he didn't hear you. <laughs> Best for everyone. Right. Right. <laughs> there was a show on Fox called Who's Your Daddy, right? And it was about a woman who was being reunited with her biological father, who she had not seen since she was born. And there were 25 guys, and one of them was her dad. And if she could pick out which one was her dad, she would win $100,000. If they chose incorrectly, the person that they said was their dad, but who was not their dad, would get the $100,000. What the fuck? (laughs) So she had to pick out, like, uh... Uh, what was the sh- the dating game? <laughs> they asked the different contestants like different personal questions. So yeah. she had to pick out who is her actual biological father. Uh-huh. So did the show ever take place? I, it doesn't say that it didn't. So I guess I missed that completely. I think the worst and the most fucked up reality show I saw was the one where they would hook the people to a lie detector in oh, secret. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Moment of truth. And they would ask them, I believe it was in in the hundreds they would ask them hundreds of questions they would go very very deep into these people's history and i imagine the fact that they were hooked to a lie detector meant that the person asking the questions the interrogator could uh really 
force them to go down different roads with their family life, like anything controversial. Right. And it would always be like, for $100, did you ever have an embarrassing day at school? And they're like, yes. And it's like, for $500, and they would go up, and then it would be like, all right, for $10,000, do you believe your father never loved you? And then the it would zoom in on the lady's dad, and he would be fucking crying. <laughs> And then it would cut to commercial and you'd have to fucking wait. <laughs> Just a, a show. I've never seen anything that seemed so obviously and swiftly and malevolently like personally destructive. Right, right. For money. Just literally shredding somebody's family and friends on TV so that they could win money. Mm -hmm. Like just the most evil, like biblical. Mm -hmm. Like you got a lady on stage. She's like, I don't know, man. I think I have to cut this baby in half. <laughs> it's fucked. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I watched a couple ones. I watched a couple ones. I was like, wow, neat concept. And they went a little too deep on like the second or third episode. And I was like, I ain't going to watch any more of this. Yeah, right. I remember like being like, I'm done with this show. This show's not it. I even like drama, but this is too much. I think we went a little evil here, man. Right, we did that a while ago, but man. What did you learn today about reality shows? There's no bottom, man. That's what the lesson is. There's no, look, you could shit on the floor and stay on the show. <laughs> That's the lesson. <laughs> That's the lesson. Maybe if you want to stay on the show, keep shitting, man. Right, right, right. If you're on the show because you're the shit master, you better not cut the pipe. <laughs> Right. Don't be the poop guy on the show. Just don't. Because here we are, so such a long time later, and the only thing I remember about Flavor of Love is the girl who pooped on the floor. Yeah, everything else was really secondary. Right, right. Like, oh, that's the one where she shit on the floor. I remember that. At least, <laughs> at least she had a pseudonym. Right, right. Small. You cannot Google. Victories. You cannot Google something shit. Actually, if you Google something shit on floor, you will come up with flavor of love, but you will at least not pull up her LinkedIn. And that's something. <laughs> right, right. You know who will never look up your LinkedIn? Corey Grella. I don't even think she has a LinkedIn. Uh, I I don't know. Actually, don't, she probably does. She seems pretty professional to me. I don't Profesh. think she she needs one. People know her skills before she even shows up. And it's not through any kind of monetized social media. It's word of mouth, baby. Just because she's great. If you're great, then word spreads, baby. If you're great and you need insurance from the greatest, that's Corey Grella. You know, if you wanted to be on the greatest reality show of all time, that show would be called Reality. And you know where it would take place? Harlem Township. <laughs> right, it's the realest of all. You would have to go and live in the woods where they have the hidden secret graveyard unmarked if you want to keep it <laughs> if you want to keep it 100 you're just gonna have to go to some place pleasant where you can live without being bothered have you been desocialized over the past couple years so have many of us do you make raspberry noises to accent your point lots of us do there's a place we belong and that's harlem township right you develop your signature move in harlem township i don't think there's i don't think there's any better testimony to the pastoral beauty of delaware county ohio than a place where you can make your signature move in peace. <laughs> right. And it's just like, you know you can always be socially distant in Harlem Township. That's right. Well, if you haven't already, patreon.com slash garbagebrainuniversity is where you go to join us. You should join us. That's where you can leave us topic suggestions. Thanks again, Lucia, Dita Von Doom, and Bingo Bango Bongo. And Lucia. And Lucia for suggesting this. And we'll talk to you again very soon. I love you. Goodbye.